Hey listener, are you a principal in Illinois? If so, I hope that you're planning to be in attendance at this year's Illinois Principal Association Conference in Peoria from October 24th through the 26th, with keynotes by Jerry Brooks and Luis Cruz, and tons of informational sessions from educators all over the state, including yours truly, it is a can't-miss event. And you know what? I will be recording a series of principal ponderings live from the event. So, if you're going to be there and you want to connect, just let me know. (laughs) All right, let's get into today's episode. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. Now let's get on to the episode. Welcome to the Counter Narrative Podcast, a show designed to change the way we talk and think about education. By sharing stories of successes and triumphs, we aim to challenge the dominant narrative that often negatively portrays our disenfranchised populations. I'm your host, Charles Williams, an urban educator for more than 15 years, a current school principal in Chicago, an educational consultant, an equity advocate, and the co-host of Inside the Principal's Office. Let's get started. This episode is a pause to ponder segment. These bi-weekly sessions will allow me to share with you my personal thoughts and reflections on a wide spectrum of topics as they relate to education. It is my hope that you will be able to take something from these segments and apply it in a meaningful way as you continue to do amazing work. Remember, while we all have different roles, We all have a single job, educating our students. A few months ago, my guy Felipe introduced me to a show on Apple TV. Now, Felipe is one of those guys that you want, well, no, need to have on your team for trivia night. I mean, you do want him because he's an awesome guy, but what I mean is that he seems to know everything about music, movies, and and TV. In fact, when we get together for game night, our wives complain since he dominates that arena while I rein in all the academic stuff. My point is, if he recommends a show, more than likely, it's going to be good. So a while back, he tells me that he's found this show that reminds him of me. Ted Lasso. I was curious. When we start watching, I see that it's about a former college football coach who has agreed to coach a soccer team, which he has never played, in England, a country he has never visited. Now I was even more curious. How in the world did this guy remind him of me? And then I started to notice his leadership traits. Well, and that's when I got hooked. We binged the first season and were waiting for the next episode in season two. 
since the first few episodes, I started to think about dedicating an episode to the lessons in this show. In fact, I looked up to see if there were any podcasts about the show, and well, to be honest, I, I wasn't thrilled with what I found, which only strengthened my resolve. So here I am. Now, I'm pretty sure that this endeavor will probably span two episodes, but who knows? You may be listening to this for the next three paused to ponder episodes. Now, if you like this one, then be sure that you tune in for the others. If not, well, I suppose you can listen to something else and then come back later. And I guess I should also throw in spoiler alert, right? If you're worried, go watch the show and then come back and listen. It's only going to make this episode that much more impactful. If you're not worried, well, keep on listening. All right, uh, enough of the introduction. Let's jump into the first five leadership lessons from Ted Lasso. Number one, be a goldfish. After one of his players messes up during practice, Lasso calls him over and asks if he knows what the happiest animal on earth is. Confused, his player just looks at him. And Lasso points out that a goldfish only has a 10 second memory and that his player should be a goldfish. As educators, many of us are perfectionists. We strive to be the best in everything that we do and will beat ourselves up over the mistakes that we make. And I get it. I remember the horrifying realization that I was literally molding people. People who listened to my words, took them as truth, and used them to formulate their own understanding of the world. To know that I was positioned with that much power was frightening. I mean, what if I messed up? Well, the truth is, we all mess up. Our teachers messed up and look at us. We're all fine. Sort of. As leaders, both of students and teachers, we need to remember that we cannot hold on to the mistakes that we make. We cannot allow our staff and students to hold on to their mistakes, and we most definitely cannot hold on to the mistakes that they make. We need to learn how to accept mistakes and move on. Now, I'm not saying to ignore them or pretend as if they never happened. I mean, if that were true, you would make the same mistakes over and over again. Instead, we need to learn from our mishaps, grow from them, and move forward. In short, we all need to be goldfish. Number two, everyone is worth your attention. When Lasso arrives to the Richmond Football Club, the, the team he is now responsible for, he spends time getting to know the space and the people. And one of these people is Nate. He's called the Kit Man, or would probably more recognize him as a locker room attendant. He's one of the lowest ranking staff members and is accustomed to being practically invisible. And blessed, of course, he's being taunted by members of the team. As Nate escorts Ted to meet the owner of the team, Ted asks his name, and, well, Nate is stunned. He states that, well, nobody ever asks his name. 
You see, if we are not careful, we can easily become enamored with the idea of our leadership titles and the positions that we hold over people. We can begin to feel that some are not worthy of our time or our attention, depending on the roles that they have within our organization. And this is absolutely not true. In fact, one of the first lessons that I was taught about being in a school was that you needed to make three groups of people your friends. The office staff, the cafeteria staff, and the engineering or maintenance staff. While these groups may be some of the lowest paid within a building, they are often some of the most important people and control many of the operations that we rarely consider on a daily basis. Because this is something that I value, it is a staple of every interview that I conduct. During the tour of the building, I am sure to walk past our cafeteria and building engineer because I want to see how the applicant responds to them. I'm sure to check in with my front office after an applicant leaves to see how they connected with them. And it's one of the things that I base my decisions on. As the leaders of our building, we need to remember that we set the tone. And if we demonstrate that it is acceptable to differentiate our treatment of others based on their positions and thus perceived values, then we have failed as leaders. Number three, optimism is infectious. If you ask Felipe to describe Ted Lasso, he will mention that he is the hybrid offspring of a number of sitcom characters. Me? I don't watch that much TV. So I simply refer to him as the human version of Ned Flanders. You know, that overly positive neighbor of The Simpsons? Well, it seems that no matter what hardships he or his team faces, Lasso finds a way to put a positive spin on it. For example, during a gala, while two of his players, who clearly despise one another, engage in this exchange of insults, he points out that they don't have to be best friends to be great teammates. And then he references uh, Kobe and Shaq, Lennon and McCartney, (laughs) and even Woody and Buzz. While while this may seem a little cheesy, Lasso consistently identifies and points out the positivity in what often appears to be the worst of situations. After a while, his optimism even begins to influence those around him. During the second season, his team is consistently tying games and he is frustrated that they've yet to win. When sharing this with the owner of the team, she points out that they are technically undefeated. And later, after a loss, he finds his team in cheerful spirits because they finally have a game with a definitive ending. Not a tie. As leaders, we must ask ourselves, are we thermostats or thermometers? Are we reflections of the culture within our building, simply reading and reporting out what is happening? Or are we establishing the culture within our buildings? setting expectations, and providing guidance. If you notice that the culture within your organization is less than ideal, I would encourage you to first reflect on how you are showing up each day. Are you communicating that you're excited to be there? Are you demonstrating high levels of of commitment? Are you reflecting your mission, your vision, and your values? 
Number four, being vulnerable leads to empowerment. A recurring scene in the show takes place during the press conferences. During the first season, in the first episode, Lasso openly admits that he has never coached a football team and says that you could fill two internets, whatever that means, with what he doesn't know about the sport. From there, the press conference collapses into chaos as they launch question after question, and he inconsistently, consistently admits to not knowing. I wouldn't recommend any leader to begin a career this way, but there is a need to be open and vulnerable about your weaknesses. Yes, this could be scary, but the truth is that nobody is good at everything. So instead of pretending as if you do not need assistance, doing a mediocre job and eventually burning yourself out, identify individuals within your organization that can assist. One of my keynotes is about operating within your zone of genius. Most of us spend a majority of our time functioning within our zone of excellence, a space space in which we excel, but we're really not fulfilled, and our zone of competence, a space where we can complete tasks, but others are far more efficient and effective. Instead of wasting our time and energy in these spaces, we should be focused on spending as much time as possible in our zone of genius. This can only be accomplished, however, when we recognize and admit our own shortcomings and then empower others. You see, what may be your area of competence can easily be someone else's genius. Being vulnerable doesn't mean that you are an ineffective leader. It means that you are an emotionally intelligent leader who will capitalize on and maximize the talent of your team members so that your organization can reach peak performance. And number five, family is important. At the end of the first episode in season one, during a heart-wrenching scene, we learn that Lasso takes the job in England because he and his wife are separated and she asks for a little space. Some would argue that moving to England is an over-exaggeration, but it drives home just how much he is willing to do for his family. During his time away, he consistently makes a point to connect with his son and to be a part of his life as much as possible. In episode 5, his family finally comes to visit him, and it seems, for a brief moment, that maybe he and his wife would be able to rekindle their relationship. However, at the end of that episode, as he and his wife stand outside in the rain, he tells her that he would be, that he would do anything for her to be happy. And then he knows that means the end of their relationship. So he tells her that she doesn't need to keep trying anymore, that he is going to be okay. Everything will be okay. Even as his marriage is falling apart, something that is destroying him, he makes time for his son and puts his wife's happiness before his own. While this is probably not the ending that you had hoped for, it serves to remind us that our families are important. I was talking with a friend recently, a fellow principal, and he was on the verge of being burnt out. 
He talked about all the time he was spending at work and how it was impacting his relationship with his family and the toll that it was taking on his health. Regardless, he felt compelled to respond to the never-ending demands of the principalship. In a moment of clarity, one that I need to do better at emulating myself, I pointed out that our jobs are never and will never be done. There may be days when we have cleared our to-do lists, but the very nature of our job means that it will never, ever be over. It's like running a race on a treadmill. You could run as fast and as hard as you want, but you will never reach an end. Instead, we all simply get off at some point. The faster and harder you run, the quicker you get off. This year, I started something that terrified me. I stopped bringing my bag into the house during the week. Instead, I just leave it in the car. I See, I, I used to pride myself on telling my staff and my families, well, my, my work families, that they could contact me whenever they needed, that I always checked my email. I didn't have boundaries. I worked on the way to work. I worked while I was at work. I worked on the way home from work. And then I worked while I was at home. I'm ashamed to say that there's much that I've missed out on because of this. Memories that I will never get back. And relationships that I'm trying to repair. Yes, the work that we do is important. But so are our families. Until next time. I want to thank you for listening to the Counter Narrative Podcast. If you're enjoying the show, please be sure to like, subscribe, and of course, share it with friends and family. I'd also love to hear your thoughts about the show, so please leave a comment or two as well. Now, I'm not sure what platform you're using, but the show can be found on Anchor, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and plenty of other platforms. If the show isn't on your preferred site, let me know, and I'll be sure to get it up and running. This podcast is also featured on schoolrubric.com, where you can find educational articles, videos, and interviews with educators from around the globe. Be sure to connect with me and other listeners by following the show on Twitter at The CN Podcast and joining the show's Facebook group. Take care.